Welcome everyone this morning. I'm glad you're here. Hope you feel welcome. We've got visitors here and we're glad you're here. You're welcome anytime. You can turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 7 that we will read for an opening this morning. And I was just thinking about how awesome it is. Do you feel privileged to be here this morning? To be in the presence of the Almighty God? Oh, we were at a place last night. You know, sometimes there's important people in life and it's like you feel pretty neat if you get to be around them. And last night the governor was at the fair and there were people around him a lot and he, you know, I, I, I have to imagine that more of them were probably getting on his case than probably, he's an embattled governor you might say with a lot of criticism. So maybe people didn't feel quite as um, special being around him as maybe sometimes you do. But I thought about, you know, how, how it makes us feel when we're around people who are um, well-known or who are important or who are just really good. And, and how do you feel this morning? Like, who is there more important? Who is there that you would rather be in the presence of than God? And... And he's here this morning, I really believe that. The thing is, this is kind of when we, we really give him our attention for this time, but it's not just here, and it's not just this morning. We live in his presence. We should live in his presence. We should live acknowledging him and recognizing that he's available to us every day and to live with that honor and that privilege over our lives. And to realize that we are important too. Him. He loves us. He cares about us. We are His children. Let's read here from Judges 7. <clears throat> then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod so that the host of the Midianites... We're on the north side of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. What you're going to see here in this chapter, what I see is the way of God. Here in the beginning, it is totally opposite of the way of man. When we face a battle in life, we try to get as many people on our side as we can. We try to get as many people to fight the battle as we can. And the more the better. And the way of God goes against human nature. It goes against our way. It's, it's, it's because, well, we, without God, we can't operate this way. It's the way we have to do of our own selves physically and naturally. But this here is the way God works. The Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand hath saved me. And how many times in life... Have I faced a battle? Have I faced a challenge? Maybe it's a, a health crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. I don't know what it is. And I've faced it and I've made it through it. And, and look, I look back on it and I kind of just, I'm like, wow, I, you know, I did it. I persevered. I was strong enough. I, 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 what? Was it me? Lest they say their own hand has saved them. Do I say that in life or do I 
give God the credit. Now go, now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 22,000 and there remained 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand, and let all the other people go every man to his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. They, had, they were possibly, perhaps they were looking over that host of Midian. And it had to look pretty daunting. 300 men. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into your hand. Go, get them. down go down with Pura, your servant down to the host and thou shalt hear what they say and afterwards shall thy hand be strengthened to go down to the host so he went down with Pura, his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host and the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came into the tent, and smote it, that it fell, and overturned it, that the tent lay alone. And his fellow answered and said, There is, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all his hosts. And it's just interesting that they knew what was coming. And if you, I just want to briefly read a couple of verses in Joshua chapter 2. Because it just seems like that that's what happens. In Joshua chapter 2, this is Rahab talking to the spies. And he's tell, she's telling them. Um, she says, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. How did that prostitute know that the Lord had given them the land. Your terror is fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And somehow those people, they knew. And these Midianites, they, they know what's coming. And it was so, verse 15 of Judges 7, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. 
And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall you do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and they break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp. And the host ran and cried and fled. And when I read those verses this morning, I just had to wonder, how many of you, how many of us this morning are standing in our place, but we're standing there silently and we're standing there with our, with our lamp, uh, our uh, pitcher still intact. And I believe that it's time, if that's you, it's time to break the pitcher. It's time to let your light shine and it's time to speak truth. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. To let your presence be known to the enemy. And the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Bethshida and Zerah and to the border of Abel-Meholah and unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters into Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. We're going to go to prayer. Do you have any prayer requests this morning? Wow. That's hard to believe, but if you don't have any you want to share, <clears throat> okay. Gary. Tom and Landy and family as they start on their new journey. Tom and Landy. My cousin Dawn, she's been covering with cancer. She has quit all the meds. She has cancer in her liver and her, and her brain, and she's has very strong faith, but she's just waiting it out. Dawn is okay. Dawn. Bart, do you have something? Very good. David? Let's pray for those who are afraid. We need to learn to live in truth. And that warriors be willing to walk in faith. Thank you. Let's kneel in prayer. Heavenly Father, we 
come before you this morning and we thank you that you are in our midst. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray this morning that it would just move in a powerful way to deliver words to every heart, words of conviction and encouragement and challenge, blessing. Lord, whatever the needs are that are here this morning, we believe that you can meet. I just pray that you would open the hearts to receive your word, that you would give strength to the messenger and, and clarity and excitement and passion, Lord, for your word, that each of us would just live excited for you and on fire for you this week. Lord, that we would break our lamps, that we would speak your name, and that we would live uh, unashamed. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be together with believers. Pray that we would encourage each other. This morning, Lord, I, I pray for the prayer requests. I pray for Tom and Landy as they embark on their new journey. I just pray you would give them safety and blessing and just direct them in the path that you would have them to go. Lord, I just pray for their family, their children. <clears throat> just give them peace and confidence as they follow you. Lord, I pray for Don, Arlene's cousin. Lord, I, sickness and disease is just an, an awful thing. And Lord, I pray as she waits that her faith would be strong and that she would be a testimony and just an encouragement to those that she's around. Lord, I pray for your will to be done in her life, Lord, whether it's healing or taking her home, Lord, that you would receive glory through her journey. Lord, as David mentioned, those who are afraid and anxiousness and fear is, is a big thing that many of us struggle with and the world wants us to have. Lord, Satan, our enemy, wants us to live in fear. Lord, I just pray that you would, that your peace would rule in our lives. Lord, those that are afraid, they would look to you, that they would walk in faith. Lord, that we would be Joshua's and Caleb's instead of Palti's and Shamos and the other 10 men who were afraid to go into the land of promise. Lord, that we would live in victory, that we would live in the abundance that you want to give us. Walking by faith, believing that you have prepared a way before us, that you have, have went ahead of us and that you will be there and you will fight our battles even when it feels like we're getting weaker, Lord. That's where your, your strength comes. Lord, may we trust in you. May we go forth this week as warriors to fight for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
You can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. The greatest battle of all time began in eternity past between God and Lucifer. You can remember with me, you can read about it in Isaiah chapter 14, where Lucifer, who was swelled with pride, boasts before God, and he said, I will ascend into the heavens. I will set my throne above the stars. I will be like the Most High. And God's reply to him was, Lucifer, you will be cast down to the pit of hell. You will be cast out of heaven and you will be thrust through the middle with a sword. You know as well as I know, and you even experience it, that this great battle continued as Satan brings in mankind. Genesis chapter 3. A slick little devil coming into mankind drawing us into this great spiritual battle of all time. The Bible says in, here in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are not fighting with flesh and blood. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, Take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The title of the message this morning is simply The Sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. 
you know by the promises of God's Word that He has, if you have yielded your life to God through Jesus Christ, that He has sealed you. And if you've read the end of the book, you are victorious in Jesus Christ. But Satan does not stop with that. We know it and we experience it and we live in battle each and every day. The fact of the matter is Satan wants your soul. God loves you. But Satan hates you with a passion. And he will do everything under his power to draw you in to himself. We are fighting a spiritual battle. And that's why it's so critical. Verse 17, Clem preached a couple weeks ago with the helmet of salvation. Remember that helmet that he brought. It is so critical that you armor yourself with the helmet of salvation, that you protect your mind. And today we're going to emphasize the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind of me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like the fine brass, as if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters." And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Chapter 2, verse 12. And the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Verse 16, a message to the churches. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. This sword I borrowed from Ashton, Ashton Koval for today. It is a sword with two edges. 
It is not a toy. It is a real sword. A sword of quality. You'll notice the two edges. This sword is very sharp. Ashton said when he got it, you could lay a paper, you could drop a paper, an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper on the point, and the weight of that paper would cut itself. I don't know if it's still that sharp. A very sharp two-edged sword with a blued finish. It makes a good metaphor in Scripture, doesn't it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I pray today that somehow by the words that are brought forth that everyone in this house and everyone that may be listening or watching today that this sword will come to you in spirit in life and in power the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Judges chapter 7 Clem did a good job in summary. I'll just refer to that. Gideon there is called to fight a great battle, probably his greatest battle. He was, the opposers had 135 troops. 135,000 troops. And Gideon initially had 32,000 troops. 32,000 against 135,000. You must know how Gideon felt. Very outnumbered. And as, as the scripture said in verse 2, God said, I don't want you going into this battle feeling like that you won it by your own strength. And so he said, if there's any man that has any fear at all in his heart, Tell them to go home. And the Bible says that 22,000 of them went home, leaving Gideon with 10,000 troops to fight against 135,000. And then as he took the men to the water, and you remember that reading, if they drink one way, you tell them to stay. If they drink another way, you tell them to go home. The Bible says 9,700 of them went home, leaving Gideon with 300 men to fight against 135,000 troops. That is 450 to 1. God told them through a dream that he had already won the battle. And Gideon worshipped God. Before the battle began, they claimed the victory. It's not the only place. And as Clem said, they went into battle 
with a pitcher with a lamp in it, and a shofar in the other hand, a trumpet. Their hands were occupied with a lamp and with a shofar, a trumpet of victory, and their swords on their side. Ironically, they won that battle without lifting their sword because God fought that battle for them by the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. He divided his 300 men in three equal groups. They came at the opposers from three different angles at night time with their lamps burning and their shofar in their hand and they all at the same time blew their trumpets and you can imagine the opposers that trumpet was a sound of victory the opposers were awakened and hearing the echo of of those shofars ringing in their ears and they thought that they had already been defeated And the Bible says those 135,000 men got up and ran. And they began to fight in the dark and fight against each other unknowingly. And they killed each other. And the Lord won that night's battle by His sword, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. There are several, there are many lessons that we can draw out of Judges chapter 7. One of them is, do you ever feel outnumbered? Today, with everything going on around us, do you feel like you are in a minority? Do you feel outnumbered? What if God kept reducing and reducing and reducing? Do you ever feel like you're standing alone? The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Another lesson, the main lesson, and Clem brought it out, I've already mentioned it, is in verse 2. The Lord said, I don't want you to feel like that you won this battle by your own strength. And that's probably my burden today for you, for me, is we have got to stop fighting by our own strength. David said many times, this battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. I don't know what battle you're facing this morning, but just as sure as I am standing here, you are in a battle. Every one of us is in in a spiritual battle. If you are hearing my words today, or if you are watching and tuning in today, you are in a battle. And there is one answer. Now, I typically am not one who proclaims to have all the answers, and I don't. But I do know this for certain this morning. There is one answer for every battle, for all men of all time. 
And that is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. For some practical application, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. This is really the heart of the message today. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, a very familiar passage, but I hope this morning that there's new revelation, new refreshment that comes off of these pages as we read it together. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. For the Word of God is sharper, it is quick, it is powerful. It is able to pierce and penetrate. It says here, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. I get a a word picture here of this sword, this two-edged sword, piercing my hard heart. I get a word picture here of this sword, this very sharp sword. Bringing power and bringing life into weak, lifeless beings. Why two edges? I don't know. But again, as a metaphor, it says here in Hebrews chapter 4, I see possibly one edge, this sharp edge, being the power of God. And the other being the life of God. Power and life. This sword brings power and life. And this word power in Hebrews chapter 12 means moving power, effectual power, energy. We're not talking about some explosive power that's a one-time big bang that comes spiritually in our life. We are talking about a power, the power of God coming into our very beings 
and energizing us, giving us flowing power, effectual power, Paul uses elsewhere, moving power. And the other side of the sword, life. It says here that the Word of God is quick. And that word means living. And it means active life. It's the same word that we find in Ephesians chapter 2. You hath he quickened and made alive those of us who were dead in sin and trespasses, following after the course of the world and the ways of Satan. You hath he quickened. He has brought life. He has penetrated our very being. And I love the description here in Hebrews uh, 4.12 because it, it affects every part of our being. Our body, our soul, and our spirit. It says here that this sword, the Word of God, with two edges, it pierces even the dividing of our soul, spirit, and body. It carves away the flesh. It goes into the bones and even in through the marrow of the bones. If your battle is of the flesh this morning in some way, shape, or another, this sword is your only answer. If your battle is of the heart, if you have sin in your heart this morning, this sword is the only answer. If your battle is of the mind that Clem talked about a couple weeks ago, your thoughts, your intentions, this sword is your only answer. And it's painful to open your heart before the Lord and allow the sword of the Spirit to pierce, penetrate, and divide. But I say it's high time that we open our hearts to the Word of God. This message is urgent. And I'm in one way I apologize if you feel I'm being pointed. In another way I make no apologies. And I point this sword at every one of you and my and point it to myself. I was thinking this morning possibly this point could represent the Holy Spirit or maybe the whole blade. It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that brings power and life into our weak, lifeless beings. If you feel this morning that your spirit is dead 
or even, even half dead or less lively than it should be, then your only answer is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we all know the Word of God is Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ comes to us in the Spirit and will penetrate our very beings. If you stand in need of salvation this morning, if you have not opened your heart to Jesus Christ for initial salvation, this sword is your only answer. The Lord Jesus Christ coming to you in spirit, in power, and in life. And He will pierce and penetrate your dead, lost being. Body, soul, and spirit. God wants to change our every... Uh, God wants to change our entire being from the inside out. You can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For one or two verses, 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And that word holy means through and through. God wants to sanctify your entire being, body, soul, and spirit, it says here. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If your battle is of the flesh, your feet wants to go where they shouldn't go, your hands want to touch what they shouldn't touch, if your, if your battle is of the flesh, this is your only answer the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Saturate yourself in the Word of God. If your battle is of the mind, Romans 8 talks about a carnal mind versus a spiritual mind. That is a battle. The carnal mind, the Bible says in Romans 8, is enmity against God. That means a direct enemy. If your battle is of the mind. This is your only answer. Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible tells us if we have evil thoughts, that we can turn them over to the Lord Jesus Christ who is willing and able to take that thought captive. And I believe the intent of that verse in Corinthians is that He will nail it to the cross. He already has nailed it to the cross before we even think it. And so when you have those passing evil, bad thoughts that will take you in another direction in enmity against God, the opposite way of God, 
Give them to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, and He will take those thoughts captive. Don't dwell on it, but give it to God. Give it to God through Jesus Christ, and He will take that thought captive, and He will nail it to the cross. Too many times we try to fight these battles on our own strength. And we try ever so hard to win that battle of the mind and of the heart and of the flesh. If we would, but just give it to the Lord as Gideon did, as David did. The battle's not mine, but it is the Lord's. goes on here in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 I'll just summarize basically it's saying that we stand transparent before God he created us he knows us through and through we cannot run we cannot hide everything is open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And I looked up that phrase, with whom we have to do. It is speaking about the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. He has authority over our lives whether we give it to Him or not. He knows us through, or, through and through. We stand the same as naked before Him. Verse 14 through 16 seeing then that we have this great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. That speaks of commitment. It speaks of, of hanging on. Sometimes it's hard to hang on. Let us hold fast. Let us get a grip. Verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That tells us that Jesus Christ can be touched. Again, I don't know what battles you are facing engaged in, have fought, or will fight, but there is but one answer, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. He is our great high priest, whatever you are feeling. And I'm not talking about just emotional feelings here, but whatever oppression you have, whatever battle you are experiencing, we can reach out in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that, that He feels the same because He has been there. He lived in the flesh. He was tempted. In fact, He was one time on the Mount of Temptation, we call it, and He was facing the devil Himself in a great battle. 
and Satan was hurling all kinds of uh, temptation and fiery darts at him. And how does he reply? He replies with the very word of God, Satan, it is written, Satan, it is written, Satan, it is written. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He has been there. He has been tempted. He was in the flesh, just like we are. And we touch Him through our weakness and through our infirmities, it says. And He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He did not cave. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. There are three points here in verse 16 that I want to close with this morning. And they are vital to our Christian living and experience. If you are fighting a battle, you know, when we expose our hearts before God, and this sword comes in and it whittles through our bones and through our flesh, and around our minds, and it gets right into our hearts, and even our intentions, and it exposes our ugliness, maybe our sin, maybe our calluses, and hardness, and death. You would think as holy as God is, that once that's filleted open, and exposed before Him, you would think that He would turn us away. He is holy. This is quite opposite. God has laid us open this morning, exposed our hearts, and I hope and pray to God that you have went there with your own heart. And when God sees what is open before Him, he does not turn you away, but rather He invites you in. This message of the Word of God comes in the form of an invitation this morning. God does not turn you away. I don't care how bad you are, how ugly you are, how sinful you are, what your thoughts are. God loves you and He is exposing your heart and He is inviting you in to Himself. In fact, it says here, He is inviting you into His very throne room. How can this be? We, fallen mankind, invited in to the very throne room of the King. And as Josh said, I wish you all could have been here for the Sunday school opening this morning. I'm going to encourage you to please get out of your beds an hour earlier and start coming because sometimes those messages are more profound than the ministers give behind this pulpit. Josh said, he told a story, I won't repeat it. There, the king has one more move. And here it is. He's exposed us. He has revealed our ugliness. And then He invites us in. What do we find in the throne room of God? It says here in verse 16, we find three things. We can obtain mercy. 
That means to possess it. It isn't a doctrine that's over here in the corner, the doctrine of mercy. Mercy is something that we can possess. We can obtain it. And he invites us in that we might obtain mercy. Anyone here in need of mercy this morning? It says here, we obtain mercy and we find grace. And I looked up that phraseology in King James, to find grace means that we are in desperate need of something, and we have found it. God does not turn us away, but He invites us into His throne room that we can possess mercy, and we have found something that we long stand in need of, and that is we have found grace. This mercy and this grace can change our hearts and our lives. The third thing is we can get help. We obtain mercy, we find grace, and we can get help. I think it's David that says, the Lord is my helper. Anyone here need help? This is your only answer. I can point you in the right direction, but I of myself cannot help you. The sword of the Spirit, which brings power and it brings life by the Spirit, is our only help. The Lord is our helper. We might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. One way I've tried not to be too hard on you. In another way, I did it on purpose. Because I've been very hard on myself in preparing this message. The battle is not mine, it is the Lord's. And we know before we face our battles, that God has already won. And I give you that in closing, I give you that encouragement this morning. If you're struggling with any battle, realize that God has already won the battle for you. If you have yielded your life to Him and embraced Him through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and the Holy Spirit now has sealed you and dwelling in your hearts, You have already won the battle. Revelation chapter 19 says, There is coming a time, at the end of all time, where the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven, it says here that heavens will be open. In verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, 
And His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. If you have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ by faith this morning, you will come following Him on a white horse. If you have not, you will be on the other side of this battle line. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. The Word of God. The Almighty God, it says here. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's have a song. It's been suggested that we sing number 191, and to do that, I would ask us to rise. I'm going to ask before we begin singing this song. If you have been struggling with some form of battle, great or small, I beg of you to give that to the Lord today.
bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we approach you humbly in prayer at the close of this service. Your word says that in our weakness, your strength prevails. I thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts today. Possibly exposing things that have not been exposed before. And as your word of God has traveled through our minds, you've created our minds to, to work amazing. In a split second, we, our minds can carry us back or our minds can carry us forward. We can have good thoughts or bad thoughts. You have created, created us amazing. I don't know where everyone's thoughts have been today, but I just pray, Lord, as your, your word has passed through our minds, that it has cleansed us, sanctified us, and set us apart for your work and service. As you have exposed the sin of our bodies and of the flesh, I thank you for your word. which is able to make us stand and to withstand the fiery darts of Satan. I pray for this congregation, Lord, for everyone here who is in battle, be it big, be it small. I just pray, Lord, that just like David, when he gave his battle to you, that everyone here in our hearts can give our battle to you. I thank you for the Word of God. It comes to us in many forms. I thank you that we can have it in, on books in our lap, that we can read it often. It's on apps on our phone nowadays. It goes across the airwaves. I just thank you for your Word that is still alive and active and powerful and moving. And it is alive because Jesus is alive. He no longer is in the grave, but He lives and He lives forever. May this life be in us. O oh, Holy Father, I just pray as we leave this place, Lord, that we will be changed beings from the inside out and that we can be a living testimony for You and Your kingdom. Help our lives to be a testimony for you. And when you do return, Lord, I pray that everyone here will be part of that kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.